Hi, this is Bert Skiba with HPS Logger. Today we're discussing five online legal hacks that every business owner should know. All right, hi, my name is Bert Skiba with HPS Law Group. It's good to be here today. Today I am going to talk a little bit, well, first a little bit about me. I'm a dad, father, lawyer, engineer, entrepreneur. I worked on rockets and missiles for a while and I did a bunch of other stuff. If I get the slides right. All right, so this is our team. We have Brent Hyatt, he does the small business and startups. Bert Skiba is myself, I do intellectual property law and entertainment. And Clark does the patent intellectual property and business law as well. So we're a good mix for startups and small businesses, making sure you get all this stuff in place and protected from the very start, all the way up to getting funding if it's necessary and other stuff as you grow your business. So today I'm going to talk about five online legal hacks every business owner should know. So this is a, it's kind of a area that's interesting because really there is no legal hacks besides talking to an attorney, but we're going to talk about how you could save money. Uh, and there's lots of definitions for hack, for example, computer hackers going in, breaking in code and life hacks. And we're going to do what is a legal hack. So it's like a strategy or technique for managing your time and making sure your business is set up correctly and you have the right stuff in place and be able to save attorney's fees in the long run. So hack number one, choosing a business name. So choosing a business name is critical for your business. You have to be able to build that brand around your business, around the products and services you're selling. A good example are those four companies that everyone knows, Apple, Microsoft, Google, Amazon. We all know what they do, what they supply, and what services or goods they're selling. Uh, the brand name for each one of those is worth billions and billions of dollars. So as you build your brand, you're able to create value within that brand. For example, Apple's worth $24.2 billion just for their brand name. Same with Google's $207 billion. Amazon's $135 billion. Amazon's catching up to everyone right now. And uh, so building your brand name and your business name and associating those products and services to your business is very critical in what you do within your business. So describe your, so one of the questions you need to ask yourself, uh, especially when you're having an online presence or you're going about the goods and services that you're gonna be providing is does it describe your products and services? So when you're choosing your name, don't just describe your products and services. Apple, for example, has nothing to do with uh, the computers they sell. Apple, we think of either an Apple or Apple computers. So it has nothing to do it do with what products and services they're providing. Shoot, not going for it, there we go. So make it brandable instead of generic. So generic would be like calling it, uh, or it, uh, for example, would be like, um, a generic mark would be just calling it what it is or calling it like, um, trying to think of a good example. Because uh, most mark, big marks, they are not generic. Uh, I guess Kleenex would, is now a generic term because everyone associates Kleenex with Kleenex, but it was a brand name at one time, and now it's a generic term. So just calling it what it is. So don't describe your products and services and make it brandable. Don't say, use like a generic term that goes along with your mark. Those are critical when you're choosing your business name. So is the name available? 
So go and check whether or not your name's available, domain name, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the social media sites. So one of the hacks we use here at uh, HPS Law Group, when we're, let me go back, when we're looking at somebody's name, they come with us with a trade name or a trademark and they're saying, hey, is my business name available? We usually go to this place called namecheck.com. Can you see that, Chelsea? Looks great. All right. So for example, let's go with like Apple. So we type in Apple, everything that's green is available. Everything that's dark darkened out is not available. So Apple, you're not gonna be able to get domains taken. Everything's taken around Apple, Facebook, you name it. But if we go with like uh, a weird name, like go widget hacker or something like that, let's see what happens. Come on, refresh yourself. I refresh it. Go hacker. Go hacker widget. Something like that. Let's see. There you go. So you have your domain name, all this available. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter's not for some reason. That's kind of odd. But just made up the name. Blogger, Twitch taken, TikTok's available. So you want to make sure that you could tie up every domain or at least a .com and the usernames for around all the social media sites and everything else. So there's a ton of them, as you can see. So name check is very is a very good tool and just being able to type in your name that you come up with and making sure everything's available. So another thing to look at is does somebody else have the same or similar name? So you don't want to be confused with somebody who's providing the same good or services with your goods and services with the same name or similar name. So that's what they're looking for. Shoot. All right, let's see, let me go back and I'm gonna show how to do a classification. So when you, you find a, some, something that's either same or similar, you wanna look at what classes they're in. So the classification. So if somebody has the same or similar name as yours, but they're not providing the same goods or services, you could potentially get that mark as long as there's no likelihood of confusion. They're not doing the same thing as you. So we go to, where is my cursor? Oh, let's go back to this site. Just kind of paste it. My computer's not working. So this is a link for looking up class and services. So say I want to find jewelry, for example, I'm going to sell jewelry. These IDs or classes right here, 041, 033, so that's a different class. So the USPTO separates them out to products and they separate them into services. So like 0414 is a product. And then if you go to like legal, which is always a service usually, there's not very many products out there. So it's 045, legal services. So you wanna make sure that you get the right classification when you're finding a trademark and be able to, if somebody else has the right same or similar name and they're in a different class, there's potential that you still may, able, may be able to get it. And then another little hack is to go to USPTO.gov, go to searching trademarks, searching trademarks, word and design marks. So you could do a basic search, which you could just type in the name and I'll look up something, or you could do a structured search which you could choose all sorts of stuff. So if you know the international class number like 081 or 018, 
change that to end. Otherwise you'll get a ton mark punctuated. And then let's do like, um, uh, Jared's, everyone knows Jared's in Phoenix. Let's see if they have a mark. So Jared, there is, there was a Jared mark, but for perfume and essential oils in the 018. So it's been abandoned. So you can look up there, abandoned, abandoned, abandoned. So you wanna be able to do a quick search. And also there's one for the state. So if you live in Arizona, come here. And it's checking the browser, of course it is. And then it's a government website for you. Type in your trade name, whatever you want or if you have a file name, or if you know an owner or agent. So let's type in widget, let's see what we get. Waiting, see if widget's available. So it looks like we have widget quick, widget holdings, data. So trade names, trademarks for the state. This is only for the state only when you're looking at a state trademark, it's not federal. So you wanna, if you want federal protection in every state, make sure you do it with you, uh, through the United States Patent and Trademark Office, otherwise it's state specific. So that is a good way to look up and make sure you, your mark is trademarkable before you do anything, before you uh, commit to a brand. So we have quite a few clients that will come to us and say, hey, we got this brand name uh, or we've been using it for like two years and we want to get a trademark around it. And we've had to say, hey, it's either not trademarkable because you're describing your goods and services or uh, they don't have the domain name tied up or they don't have the social media tied up. And when they go to tie it all up, they can't because somebody else has it. And now they're scrambling, either trying to look for a new name, a new product name or something to make sure that they're able to federally register that trademark. So hack number two, business formation. So LLC, what type of businesses are you going to set up? It's critical for your success of your business to make sure it's set up from the very beginning to set it up right. So build a solid foundation. That's why the picture of that foundation there is you met, you're setting up your structure, your business, making sure all everything's in place correctly is building a good foundation for that business. It's a shaky foundation, your business is gonna fall over and it's gonna be destroyed eventually, or it's not gonna be, you're gonna have run into issues down the road. So in Arizona, you could save some money, not go to attorney and file it yourself. It's pretty easy to go to Arizona Corporation Commission, go to eCorp and create a quick account. I won't go into ours, but you create a quick account and then you do, you go through some steps and they, they're pretty good at walking you through the steps. If you have any questions, you could ask us, we could help walk you through it, or at least give you some helpful tips on how to go through it, but it saves you on the attorney's fees. Most attorneys will charge you like $500,000 to set up an LLC when Filing fee is only like $85. Same with getting your EIN. <clears throat> so you could go get your EIN at rs.gov. Let's see. That doesn't take me right to the EIN. There we go. So you go here, you apply online, and it walks you through some simple questions. So begin application, choose what you are, and I'll go walk you. It's pretty straightforward on what you are. If you have any questions, ask us. We could help you through it, but it's pretty simple to get your EIN online. So that'll save you a ton of money in the long run from not having to go to an attorney to file your single member LLC. If you start getting more than one member, 
and you have a multi-member, you definitely want to talk to an attorney because it gets a little bit more complicated than just filing for yourself. If you're following, filing for yourself, it's just a pass-through entity, you're taxed at your own individual level, and you're able to run that business pretty easily through yourself. But as long as you start adding members, it gets more and more complicated because what if somebody dies? What if something happens, someone wants out? So you need to make sure you have the correct operating agreement in place when you have multi-members. Let's see, and then talk to your attorney sooner than later if you have multi-members. Even if you have a single member, you have questions, talk to attorney sooner than later. A lot of people will come to us that we have to fix their mistakes because they didn't talk to an attorney. And we've had to uh, either fix their operating agreement or get them out of problems where the spouse has died. Brent has dealt with this in the past where the spouse has died. And now they're in, uh, now they're in business with the spouse's uh, widow or widower. So because Arizona is a community property state, everything passes to the widow or widower. Uh, and now they're in business with a bunch of members that you probably didn't want to be in business with. Uh, so make sure you talk to the attorney sooner or later so you get that figured out. All right, hack number three has to deal with patents. Patents uh, is critical with your IP. So if you're a business, you're coming up with your own products or, sir, or your own products, even a service, that's something that's unique proprietary that you could wrap a patent application around and eventually be issued into a patent. What you wanna do is look at these three things. So what is your invention? Describe your invention, uh, write it down. Uh, make sure that you know exactly what it is. Uh, take out some keywords out of that description of your invention. So is it already patented or does it already exist? Ask those quick questions and then do a prior art search. So with your prior art search, that means you're gonna look at all the different art that's out there. So art, I mean patents, published patents, or patent applications that have been published, articles, anything in the domain. It's now throughout the world, if anyone's come up with it, it's not patentable. So you wanna make sure that nobody else has come up with it or done something similar and doing this through the prior art search. So run through a real quick prior art search. So I have this invention, it's called a finger mounted fly swatter. So I'm gonna to attach to my finger and flice the swat, the fly with my fingers or flick it. So, I'm going to go to patents. I wrote down some keywords, splice water, finger, persuasion, flicking. You could uh, come up with a bunch of different terms for it. Why it's not coming up, but come up with a bunch of different keywords. And then the easiest side is Google actually has their own patent search, their patent and search engine. So Google or patents.google.com. So type in like splice water. See what we find. Long handle fly swatter, fly swatter with integral disposal means, clean fly swatter. So it looks like there's a lot of fly swatters out there, but I'm not seeing anything with a finger mounted. So let's type in finger. So over here, you could type in cinnamons, uh, not cinnamon, uh, cinnamon. <laughs> but you could type in other words, keywords to be able to figure out, to narrow your search down. So let's type in that, see what we find. All right, dispense, container, system, method, still nothing. All right, so let's go to the next page, finger, flexible, so still nothing. So let's go back to our finger dissuasion. Let's go dissuasion. We could take this out and do like dissuasion. And this is what you wanna do when you're doing a prior art search is type in these keywords to see what you, see what you come up with. Take out swatter. 
do all different types of combinations to be able to get to where you want to go just to see, hey, is there something out there that's similar to what I'm doing? So fly dissuasion, doesn't look like there's anything on the first page. Next page, next thing you want to do is go to the USPTO.gov. So here you could do a prior art search through patents. That's not clicking it, refresh. All right, search for patents. And then there's two different areas. So you want to look at both published patent applications. Patents don't publish until after 18 months, the priority date. And then you want to search patents that have been issued. So let's do a quick search. And we're going to say fly swatter. And we're going to search in all fields, but you can search the abstract. You search all titles, all sorts of stuff. And it'll pull up a bunch of different applications. So now we have fly swatter, fly swatter. So we know, huh, looks like there's a bunch in there. Next list. Seven. Oh, wait, here we go. Finger-mounted insect dissuasion device. Let's check out that one. So it looks like somebody already patented it. Look at that. So a fingers, they call it a finger-mounted insect dissuasion device and method of use. So somebody actually patented, patented a fly swatter you stick to your finger and you flick the fly with. So it doesn't look like that invention's patentable. So you wanna search both of those areas and then you could do a worldwide search and uh, at worldwide, eSpace.net.com. So that'll search worldwide. USPTO will search just US filings and issue patents or worldwide will search the whole entire world. And then once determined if it's a patentable, talk to an attorney. So that will save you a ton of money before you talk to an attorney. A lot of people come to us and be like, hey, I got this idea. And we've actually had a guy that's sitting in our conference room. He's like, hey, I got this idea for a guitar tuner. And while we were sitting there, we found it within five minutes. Hey, that's already out there. And he's like, wait, I got another invention. And we shot him down like three times because he didn't do his research before he came and talked to us. So do your research before you talk to an attorney, make sure it's available. Yet your, your, your either invention is not patented, it's novel, it's unique, it's unobvious from what's everything else that's out there. So there's the finger swatter. Hack number four, similar products and services or services. So. Be a fast follower. A lot of times what you want to do when you're looking, if you have a business that's providing products or a business that's providing services online, is look at other websites. Do a quick Google search. Follow what others are doing out there. If you can follow what others are doing uh, and be a fast follower, as I state there, you're able to get those documents in place. For example, I'll go through a few of them. So search the business, selling goods or providing services. So do a quick Google search and create and post applicable legal documents on your website or wherever you're providing those docs or products or services. So look at what terms and conditions are. Most websites will have a terms and conditions. So if you could find a website that's similar to what you're doing, you could take those terms and conditions. I wouldn't copy them completely because that might, will probably be copyright infringement, but you would want to take those, change them around, make them yours, and post them to your website. The same with terms of sale. If you're selling products, what's your return policy? Uh, what's your shipping and delivery policy? What's your refund policy? What's your privacy policy? What are you gonna be collecting? 
So you want to be able to look at other people's websites or online presence to see what they are doing and how they are doing it. If you're confused, then go talk to an attorney. Uh, but those, that's the quickest way and the easiest way to save money is just go somewhere and see, do a Google search and see where or what people are doing in the same area you're doing it. And then let's see, add an end user, a EULA or an end user license agreement to ensure that's affirmative, firmly accepted by the applicable user prior to permitting any purchases. So that's what that EULA is. So if on an app, look at similar apps if you're gonna be providing apps, see what they're providing. A lot of apps will make you agree to a terms and conditions or a privacy policy or a EULA. So look at what they're doing and uh, mimic that. So hack number five has to do with copyrights. A lot of people get in trouble with copyrights. They'll take somebody else's image that they think is free and they will post it. That is a big no-no. Don't post somebody else's images without getting a license or knowing for sure that you have a license to use it. We have quite a few people that reach out to us because there's these things called copyright trolls. Be very, very careful of these uh, copyright trolls because they will come after you. They have, there's one in California that actually has software that will search your website. It's constantly doing a search and will search your website for copyrighted images. And if it's a copyright image that you don't have a license to, they will send you a letter saying you owe $1,200, $1,500 couple thousand dollars and try to milk it for all it's worth. So be careful that when you're posting stuff to your website, posting online, posting to a blog, that you have the proper license to use that image. We had a lady come to us that posted just to her blog site, but she unfortunately had some, some services she was providing on her blog site and she used just a cartoon. The cartoon didn't have a copyright notice on there, which is not necessary anymore. You don't need a copyright notice to be protected by copyright on the image. And she thought it was just free. She could use it on her website. She came to us from the cop, a copyright troll reached out to her a couple times, wanted quite a bit of money. And luckily we're able to get her down to like paying only two or $300 compared to the 15 to 2000 that the guy with the copyright troll wanted. And if she would have licensed it straight out from the very beginning, it would have been like 15 bucks. So make sure that you're getting a license to those copyrights. So before posting somebody else's work, make sure you can usually use it. So some hacks on knowing that you may ask, all right, how can I figure out whether or not it's legal for me to use? How can I find a license on it? So there is sites like Envato that you could pay monthly fees for that will give you a license to use their pictures. And there's what's called Creative Commons. So Creative Commons is an American nonprofit organization and international network devoted to educational access and spending the range of creative works available to people. So it's essentially a, where, a place that you could go to use, uh, let me see if I could go there, to use images for free. So let's type in um, lawyers with see if what they have in lawyers. So search content. So it looks like they got a vampire as a lawyer, uh, a bunch of guys wearing no pants as lawyers. So this gives us a good light right here. What everyone thinks of vampires and lawyers wearing no pants. So let's see, license or public domain. It'll tell you what the license is and whether or not you have to pay for it. 
whether or not it's in the public domain, it'll tell you a bunch of different things if you wanted to use that image. So if you click on it, the image was marked by this license, credit the creditor. So if you're gonna take this, you just gotta be sure you credit the creator and then you're good to go. So as long as you credit the creator, you can post this on your website and they won't come after you. So that's one place you could go. Another place is uh, just doing the, the Envato, like I said, but make sure you're using those or getting a license for those works. All right, real quick, let's see, hiring an employee or contractor as a business owner, make sure you own that content. So if somebody else is gonna be using your stuff or creating stuff for your business, use, make sure that it is yours. Have that work for hire clause within your agreements. So another way to save money and a kind of a hack is going to the United States copyright.gov website and filing your copyright yourself. So here's uh, the website, go here, log in, create your account. And it's pretty straightforward. Most attorneys will charge you quite a bit to do this, but the filing fee is like 65 bucks. Uh, all you, and if you have any questions about like who the claimant is or how to register the work, just reach out to us. We could help you and answer any questions, but it's really, really easy and it doesn't cost that much to do. So we always recommend going there, trying to figure out for yourself if you have any questions then reach out to us. That will help save a ton of money, make sure your copyrighted work is protected and registered. So there's a few benefits of making sure that's your, when you file a copyright or register a copyright, uh, establishes a public record, it enables copyright holders to sue infringers. So you can't sue anyone unless it's registered with your United States Copyright Office. Uh, if it's made before five years of publication, establish sufficient evidence to the court concerning the validity of your copyright. If you're filed within three months, you're able to get statutory damages and attorney's fees and allows copyright owner to record the registration with the U.S. Customs Protect against importation and infringing of copies of that copy of that United States copyright. So there's quite a few benefits of filing it. Uh, it's not necessary. A copyright always attaches itself to the original creator, but it, there is benefits of filing.